Good evening, everybody. We are here for our, I think it's one 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 hundred and eleventh Q and A. Yes, Amen. Hallelujah. And God bless you for the questions, and we pray God again gives us the wisdom, the discernment to give you the answers. But I would always say, cross check with the word. Be wise, smart like the Bereans. That's how the Bereans were there. Even though it was Paul who was speaking to them, the Word of God says they checked each day with the Scriptures to know whether what Paul said was right. There was only one man who was always right. His name was Jesus, not James. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. His name was Jesus. So cross check always with the Word. So before we go to today's Q and A, we will look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. Thank you for the end of one more week you brought us through. Thank you, thank you, Father. We commit this time into the hands of all your people who are tuned in and will be tuning in over the days. We bless them in your name. We pray the answers will bring comfort, it will bring correction, it will bring strength, because, Lord, even you, when you were on earth as a little kid, ask questions. And you honor questions and you answer questions. Yes. So we come with this time into the hands of Q&A, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Pastor, the first question. Can I start, Pastor? Please do. This is question number 10. <clears throat> uh, that says, can you explain the connection between worship Waiting and warfare. Worship, waiting, and warfare. Question number 10. Worship. Can we have it? The connection between worship, waiting, waiting, and and warfare. warfare. I I want to go to, uh, first to clear a little confusion over there is from John chapter 4. Okay. John chapter 4. Verse 4, verse 23 and 24. 4, 23 and 24. 24. Okay. The hour is coming and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. There's a misconception about the word worship because we always restrict, like we would say, the first 15 minutes we worship the Lord. But in the biblical sense, as Jesus explains it, that's not worship is. Worship is our response to God. Mm-hmm. It's the entire lifestyle. And if you, if you know your word, the first time the word worship is used in the Bible is when Abraham takes Isaac up onto Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. When he says, we shall go up, worship the Lord and come back. But actually he's going to surrender his son on the altar, give up, give him as a sacrifice. And that is called worship. So when we use that terms, now coming back to that question, so when you ask this question, worship, you probably means the singing part, the praise part. That's that, that is a, if can I have the question over there? Question number 10? Question number 10. Yeah. So when the, 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 the brother or sister who sent that question is using the word there, worship. I think he's talking about uh, the singing part, the praise part. Mm-hmm. 
good okay I think I'll go to my gadget it's easier but people on the other side of the world around the homes will not be able to see the question yeah okay so when we are talking about worship waiting and warfare i am trying to restrict that per that part worship there to the singing part the praising part because praise is wa- part of warfare hmm. praise is part of warfare not all praise but there is praise which is part of warfare so whenever in the bible you will, when god is asked who shall go first in war he will say judah sure. shall go first so praise judah means praise praise is an act of warfare when the enemies enemy sends in all if you turn with me if you turn with me to the book of the best uh, cook in the world is habakkuk he cooked up one of the most powerful dishes a man should eat every day in chapter 3 okay verse 16 to 19 okay i put 16 there because when i heard my body trembled my lips quivered at the voice rottenness entered my bones and i trembled myself that i might rest in the day of trouble okay that i might rest in the day of trouble when he comes to the people he'll invade them with his hearing all bad news terrible terrible bad news okay um and verse 17 though the fig tree may not blossom nor the fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fall and the fields yield no food the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls till then it's an attack on your mind the fiery darts of the enemy which is which is your physical reality like if you are in ukraine in a city called maripol which has been under siege for past 3 weeks no water no food everything you know they are trying to rescue them this is the news you get and it can happen to anybody anytime the question is these are the fiery before the actual even happens the news comes oh. this is what is going to happen to you okay mm. the question is what will be our response what will be our response the bible says yet i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation that's a statement practically it works out in singing you worship god you praise god in the midst of all this fire see people go into discouragement and depression is simply because they do not put on the garment of you have to put it on it's called a garment meaning mm. it is not a vest it is not a vest it's a full garment you have to cover yourself with praise literally cover yourself with praise and you know what the spirit of heaviness will start lifting off because it's warfare because one is a spirit it's a fiery dart of the enemy you hear all this bad news all the stuff that is happening or is going to happen and you get depressed and discouraged the only answer is you have to go into warfare that's where the worship comes the worship part is the praise part and praise is part of battle and that's what has happened uh, our oft quoted example is jehoshaphat when they come they say army he cannot beat he looks at and he counts the cause i cannot beat it's impossible to beat them physically it's not possible but we cannot surrender to we are god's people so what does he do he goes before god and says this is who we are and god says don't worry i will fight for you 
But his response, the battle hasn't taken place. They haven't even gathered. They haven't even gone to that place. Nothing. But their immediate response is he gathers the Levites and tells them, start praising God. And the Bible says, when they were praising God, God set ambushes among the enemy. Mm. So praise is warfare. And that's the same thing with Paul and Silas does over there. They're in a foreign city. They have been beaten up. They are thrown in the prison. It is midnight hour, the darkest hour of the day. That's when the dip, when you are in a situation like this, everything is dark and gloomy. It can get into your soul too. But before that happens, the Bible says, they start singing. Mm. They pray and they start singing. And the power of God comes in. So that's where worship comes. That's where worship comes. Worship becomes then a part of warfare. Then if you go turn me with me to chapter 6. Or Hebrews, okay, and verse 12. See, all these are done, the worship, the praise you are doing, everything is done by faith, okay? That's where faith comes in, because you can't see the demonic entities. Mm. You cannot see the spirit of heaviness, you can only feel it. So you have to do it by faith, applying the word of God. You have to practice it by faith. And then, when you come to verse 6, uh yeah, chapter 6, verse 12, okay, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those, you know, how long, how long, how long should I praise, how long this thing, and God says there's something else that is connected with faith, that is patience. Patience has got to do with waiting. It's got to do with waiting. Because the second uh, part of that question was, what does worship, waiting, and warfare have to do? Waiting is warfare. Hmm. Waiting. That's, that's what differs a child from an adult. I'm talking about spiritually. A child cannot wait. They will keep on, when mommy, when mommy, when mommy, we cannot. And, you know, <laughs> an adult, and patience is a huge thing in the kingdom of God. For the generation that will reign on earth, it's a huge thing because you're going to rule over nations, people who are not actually redeemed. These are physical flesh and blood people, probably around a couple of billion or less or more, will come through the tribulation and they will be ruled by Jesus and the saints. And one of the things which God will demand those who rule with him is that they have patience. They have patience. And patience is a huge use. We all are here, sitting here, are not consumed because of the patience of God. Because of the patience of God. So waiting is got to do with patience. Waiting is got to do with long-suffering. Okay? So, you have worship, I put there has praise, you have waiting, and all is part of warfare. Okay, warfare. If you look at the two, two, two fathers over there, two fathers and two mothers over there, we're putting it across. There's a father called Abraham and a mother called Sarah. There's a father called Isaac and there's a mother called Rebecca. By the time they were ten years, Ten years in the promised land. Let's look at it so that we, we give a very scriptural answer to how waiting is part of the battle. We turn to Genesis chapter 16. Okay. Okay. Verse 1 and 3. 16 verses 1 to 3. Okay. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But he, she, he's the heir of the promise. God has promised him through your seed. Okay? But she's not bearing. She had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bringing, bearing children. 
What does she do? Yeah. Okay. Switching. Check, check. Okay, we lost power, and but we are running on saved power. How much we run on the inverter, but we will we'll manage. So please understand this. The Bible says over there, she brings God into the picture. And then in verse 3 it says, after Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years. Hmm. So 10 years period, they could only wait till 10 years. Okay, They waited patiently for 10 years in the promised land. We are not talking about Haran or in the Arab, the Chaldeans. So they have, they have this promise. They fought it for 10 years. And after 10 years, you know what happened? He created an Ishmael. He created an Ishmael. Now if you turn with me to chapter 24, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 25, 25. Genesis 25 and verse 21. Okay. Isaac prayed to the Lord, pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Okay. Now we know he got married. Only 21. We know he got married at the age of 40. Now if you turn to verse 26. 26. Okay. Afterward, his brother came out. His hand took hold of Esau's heel. We leave that alone. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Oh. Now, you need to realize he fought this battle patiently for 20 years. His father could only handle it till 10 years. Patience. So Isaac was victorious in the same battle his father and mother went through. Victorious in his battle because he was patient. If he hadn't been patient, and Sarah, Rebecca had not been patient, and she would have said, I have this ten braid, take one of these maids, he would have created one more, one more thorn for Israel. Okay, Ishmael created has enough trouble. He would have created another one. But he did not cause a trouble for Israel because he was patient. So patience is a huge thing. It's a big thing. So you will see praise. I'm not using the term worship because worship is a more all-inclusive word. Our entire life is an act of worship in surrender, every facet of it. So that's when we become actually true worshippers, when we have the truth and we have the power of the Spirit and we are surrendering our life in its whole to the Lord on a day-to-day basis. So I'm using the term praise. Praise, waiting, that is patience. What is waiting? It's not just waiting. Waiting, we have to learn the lessons of waiting. What does God want us to learn through waiting? One, Trust, two, patience, second, long-suffering, and the midst of it all, be kind. Okay, be kind. All these things only comes through patience, perseverance, endurance, different words are there. And then you connect it to warfare and you will realize is that if you are impatient, you lost the war. The devil has won. The devil has won. Mm. He won. He won the war. Okay, so in this war, praise is important. How long will you praise? When will you praise? Will you only praise when things are good? No. 
when the fiery darts of the enemy are coming, like Habakkuk talks about every, he says, I trembled when I heard about the news. And then he, I don't know whether he actually saw it or he's saying the result of this invading army, when they leave behind, this is what will be. There'll be nothing left. They would have wiped everything clean. They would have. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. And he starts worshiping God. Okay, so praise is there. Waiting is there. And then you have uh, what you call, you have warfare. warfare. That's how it all becomes together. So when your whole world and whole life becomes an act of worship, you have actually won. Okay, if you look, if you want to look at, if you want to use that term, worship, go to the book of Job. Okay, chapter one. Job chapter one. Okay. Verse 20. This is at the end of the worst news a man can ever get in his life. Okay. Job arose, tore his robe, shed his head, and he fell onto the ground and he worshipped. He worshipped. He won the battle. The devil could not defeat him. That's what Satan had said. Oh yeah. Anybody can worship you and sing and live. You put a head, everything in his life is blessed. Take it and see what he will do. God said fine can take it. He removed the hedge and in one day he lost everything. The worst part, he lost his children too. Wealth, property, everything is gone. In a day his stock market crashed from millionaire to beggar, father of so many children to no children and the Bible says his response was he worshipped. So the devil lost. It's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. He worshipped God. He worshipped God. Okay, when God says, take your son, your only son, offer him that. He didn't hesitate. So he won. First battle is won in the mind. If you look over there, Genesis 22. The first battle is won in your mind. Okay, 22. And words uh, 1 and 2. Okay. I I like that uh, term over there where it says 3. Yeah, 1, 2. It came to pass, the Lord said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, and you come to verse 3. The Bible says, early in the morning. First thing, early in the morning. He said, let's, you see, when you, you when you want to do something very important, you take, you start early. Okay. You don't want to miss that flight. You would rather go sit in the airport or station rather than miss it because it's a very important assignment. You leave early. Now, what is he going for? He's going to sacrifice his son. The last thing you want to do is leave early. You'll say, as much time I can, let me spend with my son, let us eat. No, These are all acts of worship. <laughs> These are all acts of worship. And if you go further down over there, I'll show you the first time where that word is used. The first time the word is used in the Bible is uh, verse 5. Verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. It's the first time it's faith. He said, go worship and come back. One thing he does is that I will not anybody stop me from worshipping God. Because he knows what he has to do there is tie his son and kill his sons and the servants may stop him. And he says, you stay here, we go alone. I will not anything or anybody stop me in this act of worship. And you know what? He's winning his war. 
winning is war. Don't think all these thoughts are not going in his mind. Because you have to win in your mind first. So battle is in your mind. Pastor, yes. most, most of the time when you're talking about the hedge, the hedge is basically it's in your mind. Even though the outside circumstances are not changing, inside you're strong, you're resilient, and nothing is penetrating into your soul. Yeah, that's that. our first line of defense is faith. The shield of faith. Hmm. That's why. I mean, if you can handle everything by the shield of faith, then only it can hit your helmet and hit your... Uh, your um, breastplate and all that. But basically, your first line of defense is faith. That is why when you have given all that, the Bible says, above all. Mm. Above all. Okay? Because if you look at a typical soldier, he has all that. But his shield is far ahead of him. It's only if his shield is down, then it hits the other parts. But uh, you should not be what you call confused about your salvation. Mm. See, when it has hit your head already or it is affecting your heart, that means your shield was down. Mm. Shield was down. The whole thing is that uh, the lot of people, every day they wake up and say, am I really saved? It got into your heart because your shield of faith was in there. Mm. How did it hit your heart? Because you believe in your heart Mm. and confess with your mouth and you are saved. So it has has skirted the uh, shield of faith Cut through the breastplate of righteousness. Now you're questioning your salvation. You're questioning your salvation. Or in your mind, you know, the helmet of hope. You know, it's gone. Your hope is gone. Your hope is gone. The helmet of salvation. Basically, it's the helmet. It's about the hope of salvation. It is gone. So it's, it is, the first line of defense is always faith. Mm. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And it has to be spoken out. When those things, I keep telling people every day when they call me and said, but did you say it? And they said, no. I said, the devil can't read your mind. He hears your words. When these things are coming into your mind, did you open your mouth and say, I refuse to believe you because it is written. Jesus said, the devil is not really speaking to him. These are thoughts in his mind. And Mm -hmm. he says, it is written. Mm -hmm. He's not going to read your mind. Only God can read your mind. He can put a thought into your mind, but he cannot read your mind. He's not divine, but God knows your thoughts even before you think. The devil is not God, but he can hear you. He can hear you. And he puts these thoughts is because of he is hearing what you are saying. Mm. Negative conversations, negative confession, all these things he hears and he creates even more. So you have to change your confession. Change your confession and you should be able to say like Jesus said, it is written. I mean, Jesus could have said anything and it is scripture. But he didn't say for our sake. He lived his life within the two two covers of this book for our sake. Because anything he says is scripture because he is God. So what he says is scripture. But he didn't say. He could have answered the devil anything. Are you really the son of God? Of course I am. Yes. (laughs) That's word. It's spoken. He's God. But he didn't do that. He said, it is written. He said, it is written. And he went back to what is written and quoted it. For whose sake? For our sake. He says, you see what? I came to show you a way. You can win this warfare with what is written. You don't have to, you don't have to ever go outside this book. This book is enough. If you know this book, you get the principles of the book. You have the understanding of the book and how, what the kingdom is, the person is, the principles are, and you Utter it out. Live it out. You have to live it out. Do also. Because after speaking, the devil will come out and accuse you by saying, but he doesn't do that. So that's the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. 
both are there. Yeah. It is not enough meditating. The, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's the first thing. First thing, shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. So the first thing is that you have to meditate. The second thing is that it comes out of your mouth. And that you may observe to do. The third thing is that you have to do. You have to do. You put these three together. God says, you know what? You will make your way prosperous. Meaning, the devil cannot defeat you. Yes. Mm. Don't take it in the Old Testament way of prosperity and money and houses and all. It's basically that is not prosperity. Real prosperity is the prosperity of your soul. But your soul is the thing that is getting saved. It's not your body. Everything people think about, uh, think about uh, prosperity in the world is connected with the body. Oh, he has two houses. What, he can live in two houses at the same time? It's only one body, right? Right? Oh, look at how much food he has. Can he eat it all? Oh, he has three shirts. Can he wear it all? He looks like an idiot. Okay, so prosperity is not, okay? <laughs> okay. You can wear a three-piece suit. He can, be, he can wear a three-piece suit, <laughs> but he cannot wear three suits at the same time. Okay? So real, I mean, we go to that place, no, uh, in, uh, is it third John? Yes, yeah. third John. Third John, one, two, three. Three, verse three. Yeah, verse third John, verse three. You look mm. at how, uh, how clear scripture is. Mm. Uh, verse two, actually. Verse two, yeah. bro. Third John. You may prosper. Yes, yes, Pastor. Yeah. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. The real prosperity is the prosperity of the soul. That's the real prosperity of the soul. When your soul prospers, okay, you win. The battle is won in the soul. You win. Your will is like John seven seventeen, right? Your will has been surrendered to the will of God. Your emotions are excellent servants to serve God, not self. And your mind, and your mind, the thinking part, you know, has been, it's not conformed to the pattern of the world, but it is conformed to the pattern of the kingdom. That's how it works. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Also, there's one question which is based on this kind of attack, I believe. This is on question number 16. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's question number 16. It says, it happened to me twice last week that I went to, why I went into a sleep paralysis kind of a situation. I don't know whether I was awake or asleep, but there was this tremendous weight on my back which I was unable to remove. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I know it was some kind of a spiritual attack. And this is not the first time. I faced this seven or eight times. I, rem I remember once when it happened to me that the Holy Spirit supernaturally led me to this verse in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 by your stripes. Yeah. And, and, I, and as I proclaimed the verse, the force just went away. Some say the Lord allows this when we become casual about our prayer life and spiritual walk. But in my case, it's just the opposite. How do you explain it? Okay. Uh, first thing, and this is something which... Um, Everybody has gone through. Everybody has gone. We all have gone through this because there is spiritual, uh, real, physical. You can almost feel it. Not almost. You can feel it. Oppression that comes because the devil comes. There are two sides of it. Okay. In the meantime, can you get me the words uh, uh, where Paul says, uh, "Satan opposed to me." Oh, yeah. About that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you will see there. Uh, you keep the question over there. Keep the question over there. Pastor Vijay will give you the words. Okay. So what happens is, one, it is true. If you become very casual about your prayer life, one thing Yeah. Fundamentals of scripture, kingdom principles. We. I'm not talking that you should be a professor in theology. 
See, that's asking too much for people from people because people have their lives; they are very busy. I'm not saying you cannot. You don't need to be a professor of theology, but you should understand the kingdom. You should understand the kingdom, the king and the kingdom, how the kingdom works. That's the most important things. Okay, otherwise it will be just theory. Theory is not uh, useful uh, unless it is translated into practicals. So here. One, one of the things is that when you become casual about these things, see, the day you get saved and after that when you get or when you get baptized, you are target. You are a target for the enemy. It's a target for the enemy. And especially if you start speaking, speaking yeah. ministering to people, okay, that's why it's so important that you don't just minister like that, you come under a covering. Because everybody needs a covering. Because uh, the enemy knows, enemy knows people who are not covered. And uh, let's use that as an example, it's not just about women, but it is there in the book, uh, 11. Corinthians 11. chapter 11. No? Yeah. Why? Okay, First Corinthians chapter 11, <coughs> okay. Angels, yes. verse 3, verse 3. Uh, first we'll look at verse 3 because we need to. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, so there is headship. God says this is how authority functions, power flows. He says whenever you step out for anything in the kingdom, and that's our life, our not ministry, our whole life is a kingdom life. Mm. He says see that you are under a head. See that you are under. So the head of Christ so Christ's head is God. Mm. So when he did, he did everything under God. Now he's specifically talking about ministry. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. He's physically talking about, don't cover your head. Don't cover your head. He says, why? Because when you cover your head, he's covering Christ. Mm. He's covering Christ. Keep your, look, in the Old Testament they covered, in the New Covenant we don't cover mm. it. So when you see people, I mean, a simple thing is that you see prophets wearing hats and caps and prophesying. You just say, okay, thank you very much. You may be genuine, but I will go with scripture. Mm. I'll go with scripture because your head is covered. And here the Bible says your head should be uncovered. Mm. Okay. And then verse five. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. Mm. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shown. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shown or shaved, let her be covered. Mm. Okay? For, indeed, okay, let's go further down. But the woman is, we are not explaining that whole thing, what it means about verse glory. Nine. Okay, go to verse 9. Verse 9. Yeah? 10, 10 actually. Mm. Okay? For this reason, woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of whom? Yeah, because of whom? The angels. Because of the angels. Because of the angels. So the angels will look. The angels will look. Is this person under headship or not? Because you know what? Our warfare, when you are praying or prophesying, you are entering into the spiritual realm. Okay. If you don't tackle with the spiritual realm, nothing is going to happen out of your prayer or your prophecy. So when you are doing something with, without being under the head, okay, even if your prayer gets an answer or your prophecy is true, you will be attacked violently later because you opened yourself for attack. Wow. Opened yourself for attack. So it's always to be see that, you know, that you are undercover. 
That's why in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, especially in this context, there is not a single woman in ministry who is not mentioned without a husband's name or a father's name together. Because that's the cover she has. Mm. Even if she is a uh, prophetess Prophet. like uh, in the, during the time of judges like Deborah, mentioned always with her husband, introduced to her. And when Philip had seven daughters who prophesied, but he's mentioned with Philip daughters. Why? It's about covering. So when it is a man, the man has to be absolutely sure. Okay, you know what? I am under Christ. I am under Christ. Because Christ was always absolutely sure that he was under God. So a man should be, as head of the hope, the man is responsible to see that he is under Christ. That his prayer life, his worship life, and his word life. And you know what? When a man does not do that, come under. That's why we put all these scriptures, hmm. scriptures over there, saying that, you know, one of the reasons, even in a Q&A, why do we give so many scriptures, is you seeing, saying that, you know what, even when I'm answering you, in the spiritual realm, you may not understand, I'm telling you, I'm a man under authority. Oh, yes. I'm not speaking on my own, I'm speaking with the authority of scriptures. Amen, amen. Authority of the scriptures. This mm. is what it is written. Mm, mm. This is what is written. Okay, this is, and I'm speaking my authority, or you have to, you just have to receive it only if it is according to the word of God, and not the word of man. But when a woman speaks, she should be very careful, she is under the authority of man. Authority of man. In the home kind of question, in the situation, in the home kind of situation, it is a husband. It's a husband. If she is doing any ministry, anything, a husband, she should have had the permission of her husband. Or if she is in the context of the church, she should have the permission of her pastor. Of her pastor. But if you do not have either of these two, either of these two, and you do it, you are opening yourself for trouble. Oh. Attack. So that's one thing. Okay. The other thing is that... 218. Go, yeah, go back to 218. You, you pray more. You are doing everything more and you will realize uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. So there is. He couldn't go for a long time. Why? Because Satan literally stopped. This is not, a, I don't believe this is a physical attack where Satan is sitting on his, feeling like he's sitting on his chest. But he shut all the doors. Mm. Yeah, resisted him. Satan can. But in the other side also, this, the devil can do those things to discourage you. But you have to look at all the permutations and combinations of what is happening. Am I am I walking casually in my faith life? Am I walking under the blood which is my covering over my sins? The accuser has nothing. Am I standing on the work, strength of my works? Or am I standing only on the righteousness of God? Okay, All these things you have to ask. Am I going into warfare? Unauthorized, unsolicited. Two words. Mm. Keep that. Unauthorized, unsolicited. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The first ministry. Unauthorized, unsolicited. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said, he said, he said, question is, who are you? Exactly. Who sent you? Who are you? See, when the Pharisees and the Levites sent people to John to ask who sent you, it was a legitimate question. Mm. Legitimate question, meaning, uh, mm. ah, yeah, under whose authority? Basically, they know, I mean, they, they are not 
checking his credentials out. They know there can be only one man who can come like this. Mm. Because Moses promised a prophet. Yes. They know what he's speaking is authentic. Mm. They look at his ministry, it's authentic. They just want to know, are you that one? Are you that person, exactly. Mm. Are you that one? He said, no, I am not that one. I am the one who will show that way. If you read his scriptures well, you would understand. Mm. Before that, another one comes. I am just that man. Who will point you the man who Moses talked about. Mm. Okay? That's how it works. So you will hear, here is an unsolicited, an illegitimate voice. Most of the troubles in our lives happen is because either we hear from somebody whom we didn't ask, and who was not a legitimate voice in our life. Or two, we become that. We become that. No, we become that. Okay? We pray over people. No, I'm not talking about me. I don't pray over people from another church unless they call me. I never pray over people. Even if people tell me, I said, I'm not going to call them. Let them call me. Let them call me. Okay? When they are called, it's not about trouble. Why should I get bothered into somebody else's business? Okay, let them call me. When they call me, you solicited my prayer. Mm. Solicited my prayer. I'm not getting into anything which is none of my business. I stick to GTC. I stick to GTC. Mm-hmm. Okay, but even within GTC, you need to realize everybody has not been asked to minister. It's not been asked to minister. And when you minister on your own, you become an unsolicited and an illegitimate voice. And then you suddenly realize all things are going wrong in your life. You need to ask, why is it? Mm. Why is it? You know? So in John's case, John was sent by God. The Bible says there was a man sent, sent by, by God, God because God is starting the new dispensation completely. There are very few people, people who were sent like that. And you will see there will be always a huge gap, silence. Mm. Like when God speaks to Noah, you need to realize God hasn't been able to speak to anybody for centuries. From Enoch. Mm. Three generations. Nobody has spoken. So he has to start with Noah. Mm. Okay. After that, the next time he speaks is to Abraham. There's a huge gap, silence. So he has to start. But you realize he doesn't speak to Isaac. Yeah. Until Genesis 26. Exactly. He doesn't speak. He doesn't have to speak because he already spoken to Abraham. Abraham has spoken to Isaac. He doesn't speak to Jacob until he's running away from his father's house. So there's no voice to speak to him now. And he speaks to him only concerning Jacob. Hmm. Next time he speaks, it is to Moses. 450 years have passed by. So he's starting something new. So he speaks to Moses. Okay, he speaks to Moses. That's how it works. Then there is this huge gap and the next time you hear somebody come and speak is Elijah. It's Elijah. But there's this huge gap. Huge gap. Okay? And in the same way between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a gap of 400 years. It's a gap of four. Nobody's hearing from God. And God has to speak to John. So you have to be very, very careful. If you are a person who tries to minister, stay under covering. Stay under covering. Okay? Stay under covering. Always, I would say, if you work in an office, and you have a habit, which is a very good habit of witnessing and praying for people. The simple thing to do is that on a Sunday after service, ask your pastor to pray over you. Mm. Pray over you. If your husband is a believer, a real believer, genuine, obedient believer, and you are a sister, ask him to pray over you. That's how we cover. Cover one another. Okay? That's why if you look at the entire armor in Ephesians chapter 6, 
There's no cover for the back. Everything that is mentioned is from the front. Mm. The back is uncovered. Why is it uncovered? So God is our rear guard. God, our rear guard. God appointed authorities cover you. They cover you. Because God does not skirt man. Unless it's a dire situation, he does not skirt man. He always works through man. Even salvation had to be worked by God who came as man because that's how his order is. So don't skirt. So a man who covers his head is saying, I can work independent of Christ. Oh, no. And a woman who does not cover her head is saying, I can work independent of man. And God says, you're opening yourself for attack. The devil will come and he will attack you. He will may not attack you immediately. Because the devil is very, very subtle and very, look at the first thing mentioned, he was very cunning. You know, when he will attack a man, when he doesn't, he will give him success. Until you are so confident that God is with me and then bring him down. Or he will allow the woman to have a great ministry and then bring her crashing down. Okay, Because he won't do this stuff as bringing you down in the beginning because you know she will get the lesson very early and then she will repent and this thing and then she will come under authority and have a very successful ministry. He won't do that. Mm. Then his plan doesn't work. He will instead give her a ministry. And then when the ministry is doing well, he will bring her crashing down so that when she falls along with her or with him, so many people will fall. Maximum effect. That's why we have to be very, very wise about these things. By faith, read the word of God and say, you know what? I'm going with the word. I don't care what contemporary culture says. I will go with the word and I will stay with it. And people will ask because some people will say in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, isn't talking about hair as a covering. Yes. Which it does yeah, say. Two, three, you don't have to go over there. Yeah. Mm, uh, but because some sisters will be saying, because isn't hair given as a covering? Well, the question is, yes, it is given as a covering. But this is not talking about hair as a covering alone. You have to understand the spiritual p- principle. Okay? You see, you look at there in verse 15 of chapter 11, verse 15. Then you will understand. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. For a hair is given to her for a, for it is not given to her for as the covering, a covering, Mm. just a covering. Now you look at the word glory there and covering over there. And then if you come to verse 7, we will understand why it is so. Verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head. Why should he not cover his head? Because he does not have long hair? No. Since He can also have long hair. Since he is the image and the glory of God. Mm. But the woman is the glory of man. So it's connected with glory. Mm. The woman is the glory of man. And how is her glory physically reflected glory. in her long hair? So God says, cover your glory. Mm. Don't reflect your man's glory in the house of God. In the house of God, only Christ would receive glory. And to the man, he says, you know what? You take your cap and hat and everything off. You represent Christ's glory. So don't cover it and hide Christ's glory. So man should not hide Christ's glory. Woman should not reflect man's Man's glory. glory. Because only Christ can receive glory. This is the simple, fundamental truth. Okay, now you want to break it and do your own thing? Go ahead. You may even have a ministry, maybe even a successful ministry, but in eternity, you will lose. You will lose. Because the accuser will say that it is written. 
for the sake of the angels. And the angels will say, you know what? Angels will say, and it will it will count. These little little things will count. Okay. Yes. So I would say, be very 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 be very very. Whatever ministry you do, I would say, whatever ministry you do, do it in the in the ambit of a church. church. Yes. Because God did not create anything else. Mm. God only only one entity God has created on earth is His church. I'm not saying parachurch organizations are all are they're all there they all, but even parachurch organizations should be part of a church. If they are not part of a church and independent without being part of a church, those organizations will never survive. You look at any parachurch organization, maximum 40 years after that they die off, they lose their effective. After that, like YMCA, they will be teaching basketball and karate. Gone. What's it? What was it called? Young mm-hmm. Men's Christian Association. There's nothing Christian there. Except the churches that gather in their halls. There's nothing Christian there. You know why? Because any Christian organization, any Christian organization should be part of a church. And all the members who work in that organization should belong to that church. It should be that. Why? That's a covering. The organization is not a spiritual entity. It's a physical entity. Mm. But the church is a spiritual Spiritual entity. You need a covering. You need a covering. That's how it works. You should be part of a church. And that gives you the covering. So anybody who is doing any kind of ministry, don't get so excited because ministry is spiritual warfare. This Anything. Any result you get out of it, it is is a result of a war. It's a result of a battle. The devil is very, 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 very smart. Remember how I was taken? Mm. You know what God told Joshua, he said, you know what? Don't take all your soldiers. Hide them all behind the city. What you need to do, you need to, they saw last battle you lost. So you should go to the front and when they all come out, you run. And when they run the city, all the soldiers will flee. And when they flee, the rest of the soldiers should get in and put the city to flames. Okay. That's what I said. You have to be very, very careful. The devil also knows all these things. Don't look at apparent success. Mm. Look at, is my ministry according to the word of God? Don't look at apparent success. The devil also will draw you out. And then a little later, when he has drawn you out enough, he will set your house on fire. (laughs) Set your house on fire. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful. See, Paul talks about two things. He says there are people who have zeal and do not have wisdom. Then he says there are people who have wisdom who do not have zeal. But Paul was one person who had zeal and wisdom. You need to have both. Both. Okay, man brings wisdom, woman brings zeal. When a woman works without man, she goes in her zeal. If you leave a man alone without a woman, he will be a very good professor. <laughs> but he won't do anything. Unless you're a man like Paul, who has been set himself as a eunuch for the kingdom. Mm. So we need both. Both, okay? The woman brings zeal. But she's the helpmate. Mm. She's not the mate. Mm-hmm. She's the helpmate. Okay? The problem is when the helpmate becomes mate. 
ఇది చెక్ మేట్ హస్బెండ్ need to understand that's what happens you have pictures in the bible pictures in the bible the ideal picture i mean if you look at stages in their life at one stage in the life the ideal picture is isaac mm. and rebecca i'll show you that picture of isaac and rebecca has an ideal picture these are the only people only man who never went out of the promised uh, promise land promise okay turn with me to genesis uh, chapter no 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 this is chapter 24 yeah, okay chapter first LRO. first okay 24 mm-hmm. and uh verse 63 this is when rebecca is coming okay rebecca is coming to very close to isaac's home okay isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and he lifted his eyes and looked and there the camels were coming one of the first things you hear about isocor is a man who meditates mm-hmm. meditate upon my word day and night whatever his father has told he spends time thinking over it this is what dad has said this is what dad has said about god the precepts of god the covenants of god the commandments of god he's a man who meditates he's a man who meditates now a little later you go back and see okay god answered chapter 25 okay verse 21 and 22 you look at the wife chapter 25 21 and 22 now isaac pleaded with the lord he's a he's not just a man who meditates on the word he's also a man who prays mm. he's a praying man okay and she was barren and the lord granted his plea and rebecca his wife conceived but the children struggled together within her and she said if all is well why am i like this so she went to inquire of the lord so who is she she is also a woman who has a life okay so it's an ideal combination it's a man who meditates and who prays and she is also a woman who thinks over these things and goes to ask lord something is happening over she didn't discount there's something that's happening in my womb which is not normal yes and i know you have the answer and she went and because she knows if i were to explain it to my husband he's not going to understand that because men don't understand a lot of things women go through during the time of pregnancy they look at them blank eyes and say okay i don't understand why are you throwing up in the morning i don't understand why you're sick in the evening i don't understand why your feet are all swollen i don't understand uh, why you know your food taste has changed okay but you don't have to understand just help them out like our young man i was so pleased with our young man she can't <laughs> yesterday because our lady sopna uh, was craving for halim mm-hmm. and he made halim Come he pounded it for hours he took it to make halim for his mm-hmm. wife and she enjoyed it yeah. we also enjoyed it <laughs> okay but that's the way it is you don't understand i mean halim is not halim seeds uh, why do you want to eat halim <laughs> i didn't ask okay. i don't understand <laughs> okay she said this is my season okay this is my season you don't have to understand how my taste buds changes and all that okay so that's what the bible is talking about you look over there you have a very good combination a zealous wife and a man of wisdom 
that's how it should be. We, it should be a combination. And when you are not, uh, when, when you are called out to be celibate like Paul, you can be absolutely sure God will give you both the wisdom and the zeal. Mm-hmm. This was a man on, on fire, fire for God. Yeah. And he had the wisdom second only to Jesus. Wow. Mm. He had it both. As a wise master uh, builder. Master. What a But that he understands. He had set his life apart. You need to have both. Zeal. But if you are married, you need a zealous wife, but who doesn't become the wisdom. And you have to a man who should be wise. His head is Christ. Mm. That is what it means. The man's head is Christ. I mean, he has learned to think like right. Jesus. Jesus He's a man who meditates. That's Amen. the first thing written about Isaac. He's a man who, no, that's not the first thing that is written about Isaac. The first thing written about Isaac is, he's a man who has surrendered to the will of his father on yeah. Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely to the will of the father. Second thing, he's meditating. The third thing, he's he praying. pleads. He's a man who prays. And he's patient in his praying. He will wait until God answers. He will has learned from the mistakes of his father without judging him. You, you can learn from your mistakes of your father. You don't have to judge them. Uh, Pastor, I, I also think that Abraham had that kind of a testimony where you, I mean, his, you, 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 could, you could see that you could overlook his mistakes. We had that kind of an authority because he overcame every, every struggle and every... It uh, is, it, he had that, but I don't, I, but again he got married when Isaac was an older God. They say. The thing is that, you know what, uh, you have to look at the office. That's how I looked at my father, personal touch. I looked at him. He's my father. Therefore, I'm not looking at the other side of it. I'm not looking at the other side. What he said is law. Mm-hmm. Because of who he is. Okay, you don't look at the, uh, the person. When the, when the signature is put and the seal is put from the office of the Prime Minister of India, you don't look at the person. You look at the office. The office matters. Okay? The only thing you can, after that, look at it is, does this order agree with the constitutional provisions? If not, it can be taken to the Supreme Court and questioned. That's all you have to look. My father is saying something, but it is against what God is saying. So, that's what the sons of Korah did. They didn't curse their fathers. They didn't shout at their fathers. They just separated let themselves let from their fathers. In place. Yeah. Okay, that's why. That's what a wife also has to do. Submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. Don't dishonor. Don't shout. Don't scream. But what is my husband is asking me to do, if I do it, I'll be disobeying my Lord. The constitutional authority in my life is God. Because law comes from there. And that's where Rebecca went wrong. Because Isaac, when he called Esau, tell him, Go, kill, cook and give it to me and I will bless you. She should have learned to go to God. She had that experience. This is what happens like the other sister asked a question. Your prayer life can, when things are all comfortable, everything is going on, you lose. See, this is, this is my, this is one of the things which we teach is that if your entire prayer life is for a breakthrough and you prayed for a breakthrough for five years and your breakthrough came and that was the sum total of your prayer. After the breakthrough comes, what happens to your prayer life? Mm. So you have connected your prayer life not like breathing, Mm. but just to an event. event. And once the event is succeeded, you don't pray anymore. And that's what happened. Prayer life should always continue. Bad times, good times. It never changes. Because that's part of your relationship, fellowship with God. So that went away both for Isaac and for 
Rebecca. Because if you look at Isaac was a man of peace. He never fought battles. He just walked away. And then every, his enemies also came and made peace with him. So he's not facing anything. Not facing anything. So what happens is both the father and mother, husband and wife, their prayer life, their spiritual life slowly dies away. Now there is a crisis. The father is not hearing. He's going by flesh. The mother is not hearing. She's also going by flesh. Neither of them are praying. He's not asking God. She's not asking God. He's not asking God, Lord, is it my time to go? He said, let me, let me look at my Bible. I wrote it years and years and years mm-hmm. ago in my Bible. He I don't know. for more time. How many years? How many years? Okay. Close more than you Okay. Yeah. He lived 42 years after that statement. He didn't hear at all. Jacob doesn't make that statement. The last day of his life, he stands up and he blesses children and lies down and he dies. He didn't make that mistake. What a goof up he made in his home. You know why? A man who knew how to hear God. Simply he didn't go and ask, Lord, I'm feeling it's my time. God has said, no way. I was saying, it's not your time. You want to live for another 40 years. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Because you did not. And she, when she heard it, she said, gone to God and said, Lord, you told me that day. I still remember what you told me. Though so many years ago. What is that? The elder shall serve the younger. Now, my husband, my Lord, is planning to bless the elder. What do you do? And God would have told, I will intervene. Don't worry. Don't cheat. Don't let your son do anything. I will handle that. Blessing is not from the father. The blessing is from me. The hands are the father's. He cannot bless my blessing. Blessing is me. I am the one who blesses. But hands are his. Don't worry. I will handle his hands. She didn't inquire. He didn't inquire. And it became a total mess. That is where we have to realize. And after that, you know what? She... (laughs) literally uncovered herself. She stepped outside her headship. And you know what? The saddest story in the Bible, if you look at ends of it, is it's not Sarah. Sarah died. She was buried. Abraham grieved for 30 years. Rachel died. She was buried near Bethlehem. Leah died. She was buried with Jacob. Rebecca, nothing is mentioned. When did she die? Where was she buried? Just goes away from history. It's a very, very, very serious lesson for all of us. As a man, come under Christ. As a woman, come under a man. Not a man, your father or your husband or your pastor, if you're in the ambit of a church. And as his children, come under your, wherever. If you're at home, under your parents. If you're at church, under the Sunday school or wherever God has put, whatever it is. If you're at school, under your teachers. Wherever, because God is teaching you, that is your protection. Come under, it's your protection. So when the devil sees, either you have stepped out of line, you're doing a ministry, but you have stepped out of line, go back to the responsible authorities and say, cover me, Mm. cover me, I need covering. So you can always, let let us say, Samir goes and does a ministry and they ask him, oh, which church are you from? And he says, so I'm from Grace Tabernacle. Oh, you're part of Grace Tabernacle Ministry. And he will say, your pastor sent you. He will say, no, pastor doesn't even know about it. 
okay, doesn't even know about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, ministry, but get covered and sent. Okay, though God called Apostle Paul personally, he sent him out from Antioch, from the church, and they lay hands and sent him out from that. That's how all we all started. Started. We all were laid hands and sent by other men. I mean, everyone, there's a laying of hands from the beginning onwards. And that is the order which God has put. Pastor, yeah. I have a question. <clears throat> uh, I mean, it's not, not completely related to what we're discussing, but mm. uh, when we look at the patriarchs... Can <coughs> they hear him? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. When you look at the patriarchs, you have Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, mm. the first four. Uh, and, and scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11 that... Uh, that uh, that Jacob lived in tents with mm. Abraham and mm. Isaac, mm. and he passed on his faith to Joseph. Joseph yeah. So there's a continuity for four generations in the in the patriarchal line. But the moment you come to let's say Moses, you see the continuity only up to uh, let's say Joshua. Joshua, and then maybe after that for mm. maybe one. So you have typically continuity for two mm. generations, and then again you come to. Uh, let's say David. the kings and, the, and, and all these mm-hmm. you do not have continuity beyond two generations even Elijah and Elisha you don't have continuity beyond two why is it that after two generations that it kind see, of every this moment also it's an Old Testament pattern it, see it's also because uh, the covenant with Israel is different okay it's, it's more of a physical material covenant but even in now in the kingdom of God what happens is that um uh, God does not have grandchildren. God has only children. Sometimes we, the mistake we make, we make as Christian parents is that because our children are growing up in a Christian home, we assume they are born again. Mm. Born again. But they have to have a one on one. They have to have that experience with God. with God. Then only it will be passed down. Otherwise they will have a Christian ethos. But they are not Christian. That's what has happened in the Western nations after two, what happens after, but some things have continued even after two, three generations it has continued. Mm. But usually what happens is the first generation is zealous, like the, the Joshua generation. Second generation has become comfortable because they are assuming they are Christians. Mm. Because they all have the Christian words, the Christian, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I mean, if you ask anybody in our church, they all know all the basic things they know. And because they know the basic things and because they come and sing and because they come to church and because they come to Bible study and all, everyone will be assuming I'm a Christian. But that does not mean everyone is a Christian. Mm. Everyone is a Christian. Because Christ has, God has only children. He doesn't have grandchildren. Okay? So that is the issue. While like uh, like uh, outside in the world with the Gentiles, there is no confusion. Mm. The continuity is there. The, uh-huh. He doesn't know. Yeah. But here you think you know. Mm. Why do you think you know? Because you have all the Christian tags. You know the right songs. You know the right scriptures. You have the right activities. Everything, activity-wise, everything is Christian. But inside, is there Christ or is or not? That's what he's asking the Corinthian church. Mm. They have every activity that is happening in the church. And finally comes and asks, examine yourself. Whether Christ is in you or not. Examine. Okay, they have spiritual gifts too. They're prophesying. Mm-hmm. They have all that. But he say you can do all this. Not have Christ. Check check yourself whether Christ is in you or not. So that is where the issue happens. Every generation needs to encounter. And the problem is this. 
if you have a generation that did not encounter or a generation that has been birthed or ministered to by a man who has not encountered god personally he will bring compromise that's the okay. difference between moses and aaron aaron did not encounter god all he knows about god is what he has heard from moses mm-hmm. personally he has not encountered god therefore when as long as moses is away the camp is strict when moses is away for 40 days he lets the people loose and that's what god says aaron has made the people this because you know why he has never encountered god personally so that's where you need to understand when you encounter god like you personally when you ha- when you want to be anything in ministry it's not bible college it is god that is first you have to have an encounter with god and continue in that encounter moses did not encounter god once he continued and he started changing he started changing he becomes a different man all together just all together he is 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 meek he's kind he's willing to die for his people and he, exec- he mm. executes the commandments of yes. god with a broken heart mm. he's all that mm. and to the point he will able to say at the end god will send a prophet just like me bah. and that yeah, is wow. jesus you know but that's his continue that does not happen in one day we will think that he changed when he saw the burning bush that was only the beginning of the change was only the beginning of the change after that it continuously he is changing 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 till 40 years of change is going on going on and that has to happen mm. otherwise you know what it is not that we have one encounter with god it is a continuous encounter where the word of god comes alive our prayer life comes alive where we know god speaks to us and he is speaking he is correcting he is changing and he is transforming us that's what i said there are two gospels in the bible there are two sides of the, the same, same gospel mind. one is the gospel of salvation, salvation. the other is the gospel so of the, the kingdom, kingdom. Mm. the gospel of salvation saves you mm. the gospel of the kingdom transforms you yes. it makes you a kingdom person yes. it transforms you Mindset. and both these things are used over there mm. in the bible the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of salvation, salvation grace whatever terms you want to use you cannot have one if you have only one you will always remain a child in the kingdom of god you will never become a young man or a father you will not grow you will always feel it nobody can say anything to you because you will always respond by feeling that's what a child that's what galatians chapter 4 verse 1 we are not questioning the child's salvation mm. okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah galatians and now i say the heir as long and two also he does not differ all from a slave at all though he is a master of all and verse 2 says what but he's under guardian he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the fathers he does not have liberty of the spirit the lords of guardians famine is a guardian sickness is a guardian violence is a guardian nothing is happening in their lives they're always in trouble those are guardians put by god so that you don't step out and start ministering because you know what your child will bring that over there so all these guardians are there because you are a slave restrictions are put in your life you don't have the liberty in your spirit at all no liberty in your spirit guardians are put over there we are not talking about physical guardians over here spiritual god ordained god allows things to happen where you are not you have no liberty liberty because ministry should be the most liberating thing in yes. your life because it is just becoming a channel where christ 
is flowing through you. It's, it's, it actually sets you free because mm. you know you are just a vessel. But if ministry, I'm talking here in terms of ministry or sonship or being a child of God, all you experience in your personal life is conflicts. That means you're a child and God has put you under guardians. Like we do with a baby. Always supervised. Will not allow you the freedom. Like we had a huge pile, not we, the US huge pile where nine people died this thing was because a 13 year old child was driving the car which started off the entire accident. Okay, so who is to be blamed? It is the father who gave the key to him. Okay, because he did not have the control. So what did he cause? It caused a pile up. Pile up. So we have to understand these things. Get these pictures in. It is not ministry that is first, it is life. It is life that is first. Out of that life, God allows the ministry to slowly, slowly, slowly grow. Until you are able to handle the body. It should only grow accordingly. No? Because otherwise we will, because ministry, any ministry, even if it's a prayer ministry, is a burden. You're carrying burdens. Mm. And you cannot carry all the burdens. So God has to increase you little by little. That's what he told Israel also. You will increase little by little by little by little. I will increase you until you are able to handle it. Otherwise the wild beasts will come. And they will eat you up. The wild beasts in the new covenant are not outside. They are inside. The wild beasts are inside. They are not outside. Okay. You can have wild beast ministry also. Paul says, as long as they preach Christ, I am okay. But many preach out of envy. Not out of sheer love. But what they are saying is the word of God. Somebody hears, doesn't see the heart. The word they hear, they get saved. Now, that salvation is genuine. But you are being judged for your envy. What you did, it will not be counted in your rewards at all. Because the very reason you mentioned is because I can do better than what. But what you spoke was the word of God. And the word of God will not come back void. It will still achieve its purpose. You know? It will still achieve its purpose. So that is where people have to be very, very careful that, you know what, you have to look at eternal things, things that are not seen. Let your mind be on things that are above, thoughts on things that are above. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yes. Hallelujah. Um, so there's another few practical questions. Uh, this is question number 12. <clears throat> 12, okay. Um, many times... I think I'm living in the freedom of unforgiveness. What deceives me is when little irritants are ignored. He may just leave the dirty clothes in the hamper and not do a quick wash. I become historical. Would you say it is hurt of the past in my mind and heart that surfaces every now and then? Or it's or is it still unforgiveness? Are they connected? I think there was a second part of it also. Mm-hmm. This was 13, yeah. Mm. Uh, actually, uh, sorry, the, I thought there were two questions because the next one says... Yeah, we can we can go to 12 and look at it alone. We'll look at 12 alone. Many times I think I am living in the freedom of unforgiveness. That's not a freedom, it's bondage <laughs> of unforgiveness. What deceives me is when little irritants are ignored, are ignored. He may just leave the dirty clothes in the hamper and not do a quick wash. I become historical. Would you say it is the hurt of the past in my mind and heart that surfaces every now and then, or is it still unforgiveness? Now, I, I, I mean, only if it's talking about a literal example that is being given over there of a wife talking about a husband who just leaves the dirty clothes in the hamper and does not do a quick wash. I don't. I. 
I don't think it is uh, unforgiveness. I think it is more irritation. See, people are different. Like Pastor Vijay in morning's message was talking about, about his landlord in his 60s. And when he wanted a tool, he said how well or he knew exactly where his stuff was all kept in order. Some people have an upbringing because either their father or mother had that kind of, so they brought them up there. Another person who marries you may not have that way. So each one could be reacting from two different things. Two different things, okay? You are a very, what do you say, organized person. In this case, let us say that sister is a very organized person. The other side, your husband may be a very disorganized person. That does not mean he's not brilliant. He's not brilliant. I think it was about Einstein. I don't know which which one. Somebody great in the U.S. Uh, traveling in that train. And the conductor came. And he was searching for searching for his ticket. Yes, searching for his ticket. And the conductor said, it's okay, sir, I'll go and come back. When he came back, Einstein was on his floor looking under the seat. And he said, sir, sir, it is okay. We know who you are. We know you got a ticket. He's a dear man. I am not worried about whether I got I don't, app- I don't know where I am going. I'm looking at the ticket to find out where I am going. Now, would you call Einstein a fool? No, he was brilliant. Okay, sometimes, you know, in marriages... We have to look at each other's strengths. Okay, this is, let's go. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter on love. Hallelujah. <laughs> hmm? We need a lot of love. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, it's not there. It's the, it's in Romans. No, love covers a multitude. It's of, for First Peter chapter 4. Hmm. First Peter chapter 4. Okay. Love is all over, all over the place, okay? <laughs> yeah, verse 8. <laughs> verse, cha- first, um, 4, 8. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8, okay? Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for what love will cover a multitude of things. <laughs> what a okay? verse to quote. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to look at it, you have to look at it that way. How you look at it is that you have to look at it. See, if you really closely look, you will find some strength. <laughs> something, something, okay? Now, I'm not saying that, therefore, that man excuse should be excused and uh, get away with that, is that, no? But it can be done in, in a way, because it's, it's a, it's a home, it's a family. It can be done in a, I, I think in earlier question answers, uh, <laughs> we have given these examples, <laughs> no? Let us say it's the other way around. The plate is on the other way around. The, the wife, either the food is usually not fully cooked or salt is more. Now, you don't have to shout and scream and throw a tantrum at the table and all. You just have to say, honey, today I want to feed you. <laughs> I really want to feed you. Come and sit here. Okay, feed you, okay? I have feeling very loving today. And just feed her a little forcibly. The first mouthful she will realize, you know what? Oh, salt is too much today. No, honey, it's perfect for my child. <laughs> I'm calling you. <laughs> perfect. I think it is perfect. Okay? You know, those are lessons that will... Uh, Never be forgotten. Okay, next day she will say, you know what, I don't want you to feed me today also. Let me be very, very clear about it. Uh, no, okay. It does cover. So you have to look at it and, you know, and you can say these things 
about. Sometimes you don't even have to say these things. Indian men are terrible. This is from US or something. Indian men are terrible. Okay, they leave everything for their wife. They want to pick their socks up, shoes, socks, everything everywhere around. And little later, four years later, the little boy also comes and throws it all around and says, Mommy, clear it up. Mm-hmm. Telling you. Because that somebody is watching you. Mm-hmm. And that is where the problem comes. And you can't correct him because he's always rather doing it. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Okay. <laughs> but this is basically what it does is that not only it affects uh, relationship by bringing irritants. You, know? you get irritated. Irritation brings issues in the family. It also takes time away. takes efficiency away. Remember, like Pastor Vijay said today about, remember, we are racing against time. Time is not for us. It's against time. Like he said about 70 years, right? 80 years, maximum. 70 years. If 70 years is, that means I have only 15 years left. Only 15 years left. I don't have much time left. Okay? So, what do you do? You have to maximize your time. And one of the way you maximize your time is efficiency. And one of the best things God has done, given in these last days, is we have been given all kind of gadgets and we can do so many things simultaneously because many of the chores in the house doesn't require a brain. Mm. It's mechanical. It's mechanical. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's mechanical. Including but cooking. Let me tell you, all these things will be, all these things we will do is only if you are interested in two things. Mm-hmm. One relationship with God, God and relationship with man. Amen. If we don't see life ultimately has a series of relationship, we will not be effective in a management of time. Mm. Okay? Management of yes. time. Because if this the same brother, whoever it is, this man, where to as soon as him because you know what you look into your washing machine it has so many so many options most of your daily clothes only need a quick, quick wash. wash yes quick wash all it needs is a quick wash even as you go over there put it on over there you do all this thing you know what you save time for whom for your wife and you to spend some time together or for you to spend extra time with god or with your family it's basically a sa- saving of time Basically, saving of time. Like tomorrow, people will come to church. Most people will struggle to worship. Why will they struggle to worship? Because they do not make use of time. See, I'm telling, I'm telling you these things because we have said, told it earlier too. Years and years ago, when I went to church, the kids were small. Church was at seven thirty, not nine, seven thirty. And house was like 15 miles away, kilometers away. The only issue was here. If you're at 7.25, you sit at the patio. You don't get to sit in. Because the church is full by then. And I don't like sitting at the patio. I want to be inside to see and worship and not look at a screen and worship. Okay? But the thing is that you have to work your Saturdays out. One of the things you do on Saturday is, one, you eat early and go to bed early. Second thing is that everything that you have to do on a Sunday morning, you do it on a Saturday night. The clothes are kept out, mm. or you're going to wear, the family is going to wear. The breakfast is made and kept in the fridge. You don't even waste time to make breakfast. Mm. Time to make breakfast. It is made, kept, everything, including the milk was made and kept in the fridge. Wow. It's kept. You know why? Because you know tomorrow, one child delays, 
everybody gets delayed mm. okay so you have only so much time and you realize you know what you could you could i don't remember all those years i the only time i think couple of times i was late was when the vehicle broke down Okay. And even you did not. You parked the vehicle right over there and took an auto, auto and went to church and came back and fixed the vehicle and took it home. You never compromise with these things. Mm. Okay. So there is which you need to realize. What if if you don't look at the effect of the things which we do? There is cause and there is effect. You have to look at the cause and you have to look at the effect. Okay. What is causing this, and what is the effect of it? When people are not bothered by the effect, you cannot change the cause. You cannot change the cause. That's why eternity has to be preached. Judgment has to be preached. How are we going to be judged? All these things, when they are preached, you realize, you know what? If you do not want these things to happen, which is the effect, change what is causing it. Now, thousands of people are dying in Ukraine. Two or three million refugees, their lives have changed forever. You can call Putin whatever you want. All rulers were thugs, but the problem is you don't looking at the costs. I don't stand fully with the West. I don't stand with Putin. I am looking at it objectively and say, you were getting everybody into NATO. Mm. Into Ukraine. Ukraine also you are trying to get them in and you, the Ukraine wanted to be in hand. Nobody is going to allow that. I mean, if you look, it's a simple um, geopolitical thing. If Nepal goes on with China, you know what our issue is? You know what is the land border with Nepal and India? It's huge. Mm. It's huge. There's no security over there. It's we don't have else. to waste. Well, let me tell you a simple thing, how it works, because you don't. Have, most of you do not understand. We have a small country, kingdom called Bhutan over there, India's this thing. India supports Bhutan. Gives them enough, like one of the states. It goes in a different budget. Gives all of them. They have two passes which goes into China. That is guarded by the Indian military. Now we will say, oh, they're giving almost like a state is given. But on the other hand, let us say we don't do that, and Bhutan decides to go with China. Do you know how much security we'll have to pay for guarding that border? Do you know how much we are spending on the Pakistan border? Bah. How much we are spending on the Pakistan? Yeah. Imagine then we have to guard the Nepal border and the Bhutan border. You know how much you are going to spend? So we look at it and you realize, you know what? That is why everybody is upset when China is trying to expand. So now we have fifty thousand soldiers sitting in that freezing this thing. Why? Because China is trying to expand and claim territory and territory and all. That is all that happened over there in Ukraine. Okay, the West was trying to. This thing and China said, not on. Um, Russia said, I'm not going to allow it. Not on our watch. It, you leave the leader alone. Any other leader would have done it. Now, okay, but the problem with the West, especially the West right now, what has happened is that either you are for COVID, you are for the vaccine, or a vaccine denier. Either you are with uh, the election was legit. Or anybody who says illegitimate will be silenced and you will be taken off social media. Either you are with a vaccine, we will cancel you out. Either you are with Putin or you are with Zelensky. I don't want to be either. Yeah. We will cancel you. My that is the issue. In the process what is being taken out that you are not allowed to have an opinion. Yes. You're not allowed to have an opinion. And they will call, start calling everybody names. Everybody calls. Everybody names. And I have an issue with that. Meaning, in so many ways, 
If Ukraine had just said, because the problem is, there are issues in all these countries. That, let me ask you this question. We went into Sri Lanka 50, 30 years ago. Yes. We went into Indian peacekeeping force. But we went only into as a peacekeeping force. The question is, why did we go into Sri Lanka? Because there were Tamils there. That's why we went into Sri Lanka. And Tamils of Indian ethnic origin. That's why we went there. If there were no Tamils, if there were Burmese over there, we wouldn't have gone. Mm. There were Tamils over there which are of Indian origin. Therefore, on a negotiation, we sent 50,000 of our soldiers there and so many died. But we went in as a peacekeeping force. Now, Russia is saying that you are trying to take these people over to the West and 30-40% of many parts of the are Ukraine Russian. are Russians. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the simple thing, this should have been all been on the table, negotiated on the table. Instead of all these people dying, cities destroyed, refugees who... But these are all games they are playing. These are all games they are playing. Basically to control more and more and more. And God is allowing it. Because he has already prophesied all these things will happen. He's allowing it. But there are no saints in this battle. All are wicked. Every one of them is wicked. So, very interesting is that both Bush and Clinton had to go to that church. I mean, I, I found it so weird. All these weird. <laughs> photo of things they are doing over there. You know who are the, when this COVID mandate came over there, who made the money? Pharmaceutical companies. Now who will make the money? The war. The war. The war machine. These are the two machines that has controlled America for the past 50 years. The pharmaceutical and the military establishment. Where has these trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars disappeared? Disappeared, Where did it go? Nobody knows. And these are the ones who are... They want war. They want war. And I will tell you also why they are allowing this to happen and go this way. It's because this November elections is coming. There is no way the Democrats can win unless they have this war to deflect the attention of the people. Now, that's how they, they stole the election using COVID. Now they are trying to steal the next one using the war. And the people are puppets mm-hmm. and dying. And emotionally everybody gets charged and take a step back and look at it and say, you know, what's happening over here? People are being used as pawns by all these people. And simple question they ask is that when Trump was president, how come no war was there? You said he was a Russian agent, but he's the one who sanctioned Russia. He's the one who sanctioned Nord Storm too. He's the one, if Ukraine has able to hold back Russia, it is because Trump was the one who gave them the weapons, which Barack Obama refused to give. Mm. During Obama's time, they took Crimea. And now through Biden's time, they have taken other two of these things. They didn't give the, they didn't give the weapons. Now they are given the weapons because it suits them. Mm. Not because they love Ukraine, because it suits their political, this thing, agenda. Right? All those years when Trump was there, he went and told NATO, increase your defense spending, increase your defense spending, increase your defense spending. Suddenly, Germany has gone to 2%, 100 billion they are pouring in. Yeah, and this is where the issue is coming in. This is political. Don't get carried away. Okay, we look at the bravery of the people. All the situation, there will be stories of courage and bravery and all these things happen. But behind it, there is a bigger political agenda. For political masters, people are puppets. Their lives mean nothing. For the sake of power, they will do anything. They will do anything. Lives don't matter, deaths don't matter, and suddenly you will see you cannot speak against Russia, uh, Ukraine now. Really? Ukraine? Let me tell you one thing. Burisma, Burisma, the company, 
that paid Biden. Suddenly, New York Times has come up and says, now um, they are saying the laptop was genuine. Now, if the laptop was genuine, who is going to be penalized for choking and cancelling every news about Hunter Biden's laptop and what was there in it when during the election time? Everybody silenced it, saying it is not authenticated. So election was won by fraud, even with this news, right? Barisma gave Joe Biden, um, by Hunter Biden, millions and millions or whatever, how much they paid him, and part of it was for his father too, Barisma. Okay, the company, the the oligarchs of Ukraine paid Barisma, and they also owned TV stations, and they also paid Zelensky, who was one of their employees. So you want to go back, back, back and say Ukraine is not such a great, righteous nation or anything. One of the most corrupt nations on earth. Okay. But the war. We are looking at the sad story and the scenes of the people and our heart goes to them. And the Russian soldiers are going. But you know what? There is politics behind it. There are politics behind it. So we are not taking sides. We are not taking sides. Okay. There are a lot of this is total misinformation. Propaganda going from every side. So we stay back and what do we do? We pray for the people who are suffering. The widows, the families, the refugees and the mothers who are sons. Russian sons won't come back. Russian husbands won't come back. We pray for them both. That's all we do. We don't take because what happens is that we are talking about international situation. At a national situation at the home, you have to look and see you know what. Sometimes you have to accept whether it is your wife or whether it is your husband. This guy is not going to change. <laughs> if it is, I would, I would put it across something. If it is not an issue that I would say is sinful or that would destroy a home, but it's just an irritant, doesn't matter how big an irritant it is, and he refuses to change or she refuses, leave it alone. Leave it alone. It's not worth fighting for. You have she every every conflict has to be based on issues. What is the issue here? What is the issue here? You look at it. Is the issue fighting for? Mm. And if it is not, no. but you can tell it gently. No, you are, you irritate me. Why can't you do it? And he will say, "Sorry, honey, you know me." You know. Or when he's going upstairs, I know when you're going to throw the dirty clothes, don't put in the amber, put a quick wash. Okay. I mean, if he still doesn't know, leave it alone. Is it worth fighting for? Fighting for. Because like I said, these are two different people who got married and trying to become one. But they come from different backgrounds. The different backgrounds. Okay. Mikol, Saul's daughter, grew up in a house where there was no prayer. Mm. The father never had an altar. David comes from the wilderness with a life full of worship and prayer. So when David is dancing mm. before the ark, the response from a girl who does not know prayer and worship is contempt. Yes. The background is two. Two different backgrounds. She has no prayer life. She has no worship life. She has never seen it in her father's home. So you have to be very, very understanding about these things because you know what? Let us say a man or a woman. Let us say a woman can come from a very stable house. Stable house. 
believing parents, very stable Christian ethos, everything disciplined and brought. Man comes from a broken home. No discipline, nothing over there. Father was never bothered or mother or whatever broken home, separated, whatever this thing. And these two people get married. Now this man, let us put it across, this man, because he came from a broken home, will do everything to keep his home because he knows what the loss is. He knows what it is not to have a home. He will go out of his way to keep the home together. But for the woman, she's cool about it. She doesn't appreciate it. Exactly, appreciate it. She doesn't appreciate it. She doesn't, she's not very distinct about it. Well, she takes it for granted. Reason is, she's coming from a background where everything was normal. He's coming from a background where everything was normal. Mm-hmm. And after some time, he is looking at it and thinking, it can be the other way around too. A man can come from a very stable background. And a woman can come from an extremely stable background. But the reaction will be different. When a woman comes from an extremely unstable background, this thing, you know what, she will go, will stick to her man like a leech. Mm. Hmm? Why? Because it's fear. It is fear. It is fear. Might even uh, try to choke him, not physically. Okay, till the man uh, uh, almost gets claustrophobic. Because the way a woman who comes from a broken home and a man who comes from a broken home reacts is not the same, because the roles are different in these homes. Okay, so you need to realize where are you coming from. Okay, that is where the word of God comes, where teaching comes, where healing comes, where restoration comes. I'm telling you in 21st century what has happened, 2021st century, why are most marriages on the rocks is because children have come from unstable homes. And they never had patterns to see. And they look at the pattern and think this pattern is what is biblical and that is not the... So what has happened is... Though during the British rule, child marriage was abolished, <laughs> most of the people who get married are children <laughs> in their attitudes. Mm. They haven't matured. Like we are saying in the morning, they're feeling based. So anything happens, they're reacting from their feelings. They're not able to think through. And you know what? It's a constant conflict. Okay, Constant conflict. And uh, the first year of your marriage... Like you look in the Bible, even Deuteronomy 20, when the officers come and say, and the house, second thing he says, if you have a wife newly married or encaged, don't fight over one, because your mind will be split. Mm. Mind will be split, okay? The first year of your marriage is the most important year of your marriage. If you fill it with activities which does not include the two of you, that rapport will not happen. That rapport will not happen. That is the first year where this leaving and cleaving takes place. Mm. If leaving and cleaving takes place in the first one or two years of their marriage, after that, even if you leave and you're working 10,000 miles away, you are still one because the leaving and cleaving took place. Amen. But if the leaving and cleaving did not take place, even if you're five minutes away, you are fighting. Mm. This is basically what happens because we are talking about relationships. We are talking about relationships. And that is where all this thing comes. So all these young people, when you get married, now this is a year of restoration. So you can go back if your marriage is on the rocks or not 
after all the hearing, preaching, reading the word of God is not the way it is. Or children, small children, everything. Go back to the word of God. Word of, back to the word of God and say, Lord, restore. And you have to do those actions that demand restoration. And which is, is equal to time. Relationships is equal to time. It is equal to time. You don't spend time in your home, there is going to be no relationship. It demands time. Because God, if you want to have a relationship with God, it demands time. If you think you can have a relationship with God, walk in and walk out. You are not going to have a relationship. Same thing with the home. If it is so difficult with God, who understands everything, how much more difficult it is man who doesn't understand anything. God is so understanding. Okay. So you have to realize, ultimately you have to look at it. What is the law and the prophets? Love God, love your neighbor. That doesn't happen. That's why Corinthians 13, the first four, you have all this, but you do not have love. You are just an empty, empty symbol. You're just empty. Mm. Empty. You know? And the devil is very, very smart. He will make you busy. He will make you busy. If you are a good guy, you're a good woman, he will make you busy with good things. If you're a bad guy, you're a bad woman, he'll make you busy with bad things. But he will make you busy. Busy, nevertheless. <laughs> nevertheless, he'll make you busy. You have to be very, very careful. Subtle. That first introduction of Satan Subtlety. is very, he's very, KJV used the word subtle. Subtlety. Very cunning. He's very, very cunning. And that's where we also have to be wise like the serpent. Ha, ah, today I'm very busy. But I don't have to be busy. This <laughs> fellow is trying to stop my time with my family. Bye, I'm going. <laughs> I didn't realize. So you have to set alarms. Set alarms. You have to have timetables. This is the time I'm going. Let's keep telling. Supper is a meal you never miss. Mm-hmm. Supper has to be a long meal. Especially when you have your children when they are small. That is when conversation took take. You have to teach them to talk when they are young. So that they will talk when they are older. Oh, no. Supper, it's a fellowship table. Where Johnny's stories at school and Mary's stories at school, everything will come out. And you hear, you don't condemn, you don't shout, you don't shout at the table, you listen carefully, carefully. Good listener, okay. Little thing came here, little thing came here, little thing came here. Later you ask question, ah, this thing happened, oh. <laughs> That's how you get to This all comes. God listens. God listens. Because on Mount Horeb, God listened to Elijah. And then he said, wait a minute, it's a small correction. You're not the only <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm very, very, my heart is for you. I understand your depression. I understand it all over there. But let a small correction But You're not the only one. There's 7,000 others. Okay, now continue. Uh, let's go. Interruption. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have to listen to all, because when you listen, no? listen and... Uh, Sometimes you have to meditate on what you listened. And then you will get, okay, this came in because of this. This was said because of this. There was a hurt over there. Mm. Okay, what, what? Okay, I mean, I'm telling you. When we reach heaven, you will feel like idiots. (laughs) Because you have no time, meaning there's no time. Not that you don't have time, there's no time. Two, you have all the energy in the world to do the work. But you're not given anything. <laughs> but you are not given anything because you never had any relationship. 
Oh Lord. Because God says in heaven, everything is connected with the relationship. I cannot trust you with people because you never spend time with people on earth. You never had real, genuine, strong relationships. Mm-hmm. So, what can I do? I will create a job for you. <laughs> Sweep the roads of heaven. After everybody is off the streets. Because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to relate to people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you will suddenly realize eternity, relationships matter. The entire work of salvation was that God could restore his relationship with, with us. Me. So you need to understand what salvation is. So do these things, little, little things. They matter. And you do it one day at a time. Starting today, not tomorrow. Mm. All who are listening, starting today. Okay, talk, listen, play with your children. Little children, play. Enjoy that time. After some time, you'll realize you enjoy it also. Don't teach them your games. Mm-hmm. Please leave it aside in the cupboard. <laughs> play their games. Even if it is the same game. Play their games. Enjoyment is for them. It is not for you. Okay. For you, for them what matters is you are there. And your presence is there. Okay. Presence is there. Okay. So that's how it works. Okay. Then as they grow, teach them things. Like I, like I, like I was telling, I think I was telling my wife yesterday. I said, what happened is with the industrial revolution, let's say 200 years back, for 5,800 years, you know what happened? There were only trades. Hmm. There was not education like we see today. There was education in a Christian or a Jewish context. It was in the synagogue and in the family prayer, the word. It was trade. So technically, let us say, Joseph and Mary has three sons and four daughters. The father and the three sons from morning till evening are in the carpentry shop. The children see the father, the father see the children, there is communication taking place, and the father is passing out everything of him to the children. The girls are with the mother. Mm. And that's how it was passed on. They spent Time literally with one another. Today that's not. We send our children early morning, wake them up, send them to school. Somebody is speaking into that. Yes, that's true. And it is called education. It is not impartation of life. It is called education. It's not impartation of life. Oh boy. My advantage I had for my first 12 years was the one who educated me was my father. But he did not only teach me at school. He taught me other things. He is the one who taught me to play football. He's the one who taught me to play chess. He's the one who played, taught me to play badminton. He's the one who taught me to play uh, cards. And because he came through NCC in, in in India, and in that country there is nothing like NCC, he still taught me on the floor how you crawl through grass and hold a gun, a wooden gun. Whatever he knew, he passed on to me. The others did not have that advantage because they were all in the boarding school. But I had this advantage, so he... Pass things on to me and his habit of reading. Okay, so that is what we are talking about. For five thousand eight hundred years, the children imitated their parents, and they passed on a trade their life because they spent time together. They talked to each other, and everything a son learned, he learned from his father. 
He learned from his father. But when industrial revolution took place and machines and all these things came and schooling started, everything changed. Now we go to school and learn subjects. Learn subjects. But life is forgotten. Life is forgotten. And we have to re... That's why the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Okay? Do not conform. You know, when I picked my school for my kids in Hyderabad, I picked Vidyaranya. Do you know why I picked that school? No exams. First thing, no exams till class 8. No homework. That's the only reason I picked that school. No exams, no homework. Because when the kids come home, I wanted them free and not again coming and sitting with the textbooks. Because when you come back home, forget school, this is home. This is home. We want you for ourselves. We don't want you for the... You don't bring the school home like I will not bring my office home. You don't bring the school home. And they did it fantastically academically. So don't think that if you don't come home and sit and study, study, you will not do academically. No. For my child, to pass out of a U.S. university with Sumakam Lode, she is excellent. For the first... Ten years of her life in school, she didn't do exams, so she didn't have to study at home. We kept it, and there were certain days in the week, in the in a month, I wouldn't wake them up, and they wake up at eight o'clock. Oh, transport is gone. School. I said, you're not going to school today. What you don't go to school? Don't worry about your teacher. I will tell your teacher. I just want you for myself. I don't want you to get this in your head that school is what life is about. No, home is what life is about, not school. If your school does not build your home, your schooling is useless. God is not creating a school over there. He's creating a home over there. And I did not say, that. I said, let's, okay, today we are going to eat. We're going to watch something which we all can watch. And then evening we will play, we'll go out for something else. I did it deliberately. You know what? One day they will grow up and go. But these things will be there in the back of their mind. You know what? Home is important. I need to fight for my home. Otherwise, what do we fight for? We fight for the careers of our children. Mm-hmm. We don't fight for our homes. Okay. These are lessons you learn from scripture. Because you know what? God is building a home and he's building a family. Everything. And Honestly, when we reach heaven, we'll understand the foolishness of our education system. It is worthless in heaven. What are we going to do with this? What will you do with your PhD? What will I do with my certificates? What are we going to do with that? I'm not saying you shouldn't excel in your career and all that. I'm not saying that. The, the fundamental principle of it is that you learn hard work and ethics and perseverance. All that, if you don't learn that, that through educational system, part of, part of your character. character. It's not knowledge. That is part of the yeah. curse in, in uh, what you call it in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. You look at chapter, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, yeah. and if I'm right, verse 10 also. Many Daniel. will run to and fro. Yeah. Got it? Verse 4, and there is one more words I want to say there. Yeah, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the books until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. increase. Okay, and verse 9. Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up. And he says, stop studying, Daniel. Enough. Enough. Go your way. Now, he says, if you don't, people will think everybody has to be like Daniel, study day and night. He says, no, Daniel. 
enough shut the book it's closed this is it no more revelation for you this is the end of your revelation you know don't fast for another 21 days i am not sending gabriel or michael go spend some time with some people find out where shadrak meshak and abednego is go find spend some time with them shut the book that's it okay enough said enough okay and that's a, but the words for is what people will be running to it's a end times prophet this is yeah. the last days prophet nobody could travel for almost 5900 years 99% or 90 plus percent of humanity never travel more than 25 kilometers yeah. from their home they never travel more than 25 today one of our child is already reached uh, kenya kenya <laughs> she left in the morning she reached kenya on mission think about it when was it possible mm. to and fro and now i think every week knowledge multiplies you cannot no man can have that kind of knowledge <laughs> that's why you need to have super 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 fast computers to to access knowledge it's not possible data big data data big data <laughs> so it's not possible but that is for the it's a sign of the last days but look at words for and apply it to your home words for okay if you are going to run to and fro and you are going after the increase of knowledge what happens to your home what happens to your home what happens to your home what happens to your spouse whether you are a woman or a man what happens to your children what happens to the home it will fall apart you have you will at the end, end of the day you will see this many miles i have traveled <laughs> and this many degrees i have okay you think your wife is going to be very happy about it your children are going to be very happy you travel so many ask every one of them every one of those big successful men of god if you were given a restart for your ministry career what would i do out travel less out spend more time at home but i can't get it back do you have any regret in ministry ministry no regret hope yes if you were to change it i would spend more time at home and less in ministry because i realized god didn't really need me to do all these things but my wife needed me my children needed me god in i thought i was serving god i didn't realize i was serving myself and ministry becomes an idol is where we have to be very 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 careful about these things very careful about things look at it if and if you want to look at the like the horse's mouth sorry lord but how many years did jesus spend at home 30 years how many years did he spend in ministry and all three and a half years what a what a proportion what a proportion <laughs> the biggest ministerial job ever man had to do he did it in three and a half years but he spent 30 years at home 30 years at home three and a half years in the ministry and even in the three and a half years it was all with people just all a series of relationships toxic relationship with pharisees and extremely good with mm-hmm. bethany he had homes with lazarus with this thing and all kinds of people he had good relationships okay look at it and we have to re read this thing because i see i see all around and i don't want this coming true for the people in the church mm-hmm. don't run to and fro don't go after knowledge mm-hmm. see the knowledge of god is not very difficult to get mm-hmm. the knowledge of world you have to perspire mm-hmm. knowledge of god is not difficult all you need is surrender because he will speak to you through the word there is a spirit who will teach you 
we speak spiritual truths Paul talks about. All that Paul learned from hard work and study, he had to be deleted from his account. And God had to speak to him and he understood. Please understand, knowledge of God is not the difficult thing. The knowledge of God, reaching that place is the difficult part. Demands surrender. It demands sacrifice. It demands dependency on God. Knowledge of the world doesn't come that way. There are years separated. You want to pass class 10? 10 years. 12? 12 years. Undergraduation, another 3 years. PG, another 2 years. You want to go to PhD, another 5 years. You think you need 17 years to know God? No. You don't need that. So, increase, grow in the knowledge of God is what is said. Not knowledge of God's creation but the knowledge of creator. Creator is more important. You know? And But when you go to the creator, he will tell you, this is my ways. This is my way. Spend time here. Spend time here. Don't hurt that one. Be kind to this one. But he says, that is my knowledge. That's who I am. Who I am. I spend time with my family. I speak to my family. I am very kind. I suffer long and yet I am kind. This is who I am. You are getting the knowledge of, of the God. creator. Do you think you get it in college? No, you don't get that in college. Who has come out of college long-suffering and kind? Irritable and nasty. Or proud, depending upon which Ivy League college you go, then you don't look at anybody. You don't get this in college. You get this with God. Okay, And that is where you have to look at and look at life. Otherwise, you know what will happen? So don't worry. Don't try to change your husband. Tell him this is the way it is. And if he's stubborn and does not change, don't go Rebecca's way. Say, Lord, would you speak to my husband and change him? Because men are like that. Men are like mules. If you push them, they'll become very stubborn. Women are not like mules. If you push them, they'll start crying. They will cry, they will sulk, they will get into their shell, and if they get violent, they will scratch you with long nails. Men and women don't react the same way. So you need to realize, don't push a man. If you push a man, he will become even more stubborn. That's that because ultimately everybody wants is love, affection. That's what everybody is craving for. But you cannot demand it. The minute you demand it, its nature changes. It's coercion. It's not love. If you manipulate and threaten and this thing all, it becomes fear. There's a nature of love because love is, God is love. Not love is God. God is love. That can only function in an atmosphere of absolute liberty. See, when the prodigal son left the home, he lost his love for his father. The father never lost his love for his son. Because he gave his son absolute liberty. The father always loved the son. Always waited for him. The son discovered his love for his father and the father's love only when he came back. But he thought he was free. But he was a slave. Mm -hmm. And he thought his father was a slave. No modern ideas. The father was free. And this fundamental nature, because all these questions, everything is asking, you know, what's the deepest craving of everybody? Mm -hmm. They want to be accepted. Want to be accepted. Sometimes men throw their socks around and sometimes they put it in the hammer without washing is because to get your attention. I am not getting the attention I want from you. So if this is the only way I will get your attention, I will do it every day. 
Ah, now you thought about me, right? At least you thought about me in relation to my socks. They do these things deliberately. I'm talking about men. They do these things deliberately. Women also will do these things deliberately. They may do mess up the cooking. Because if that is the only way you will get a comment out of you, then I will do it every day until you realize I am in this house. Okay? Basically, things which people are doing are basically because lack of affection. But the very things that you do, it's not going to bring affection. It's only bring more distancing. More distancing. Okay, this is this is the story of the unloved woman in the Bible called Leah. Everything she's doing to get Jacob. But Jacob has only one heart given to Rachel, not even to God. And everything. And God do one thing, you know, his the Bible actually says when God saw Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. You know? Because a barren woman whose husband does not love her is a living death. A living death. It's a living death. Okay? And especially when your husband has another wife and he loves her. I mean, she's literally standing there and dying. So what did God do? God is a very kind, affectionate father. He touched a woman and says, I will give you another object to love. You have affections. Your heart is full of it. I'll give you another object to pour out your affection. So she has Reuben. And she's still hoping I gave him a son. She doesn't have a son. Maybe he will love me. He doesn't. Then she gives another son. He will love me. No, he gives another love. By the time the fourth one, Judah, she looks up. Lord, thank you for the son. He looks up. And God shuts her womb. Because why? Now she has found me. She doesn't need another source to sustain her. Shuts her womb. Because she's found me. That's all God is talking about. You know what? All these fightings, if you look up and find God, you are content. And after that, you are not a taker in your marriage. You are a giver. And even if the other person does not give, you are good with it. Mm. Because you have found God. Mm. You have found God. And you need to understand God is a giver. God is a giver. God is not a taker. He's a giver. So the answer of marital conflicts and which are unresolved is learn from Leah. Leah gives you one of the most powerful lessons Mm. about unresolved issues in a marriage. Leah looked up and God, she found God. She started praising. So that fourth son is called Judah, which means praise. And he's content with with this. Okay. I mean, basically it's a prophetic picture that our content meant should come from God. And then after that, what becomes? You become a giver. Mm-hmm. You become, once you are content with God, the other person's reaction will not stop you from giving. Amen. Amen. Not, you are constantly giving in your marriage. You are constantly giving in your home. You are constantly giving in your office. You are constantly giving in your church. You are a giver because you are content with God. And you fulfill scripture. It's more blessed, blessed to, to give, give than to, than to receive. Amen. But if you are not content with God, you will be a taker. And sometimes you take forcibly the affection of your wife. The affection of your husband. You know what the law is calling it now? It's calling marital rape. Forcibly taking it. Okay, forcibly. And God says it doesn't work like that. Simply. So we, we don't have to go the way of the world. We have to reorient our mind according to the word of God. That's why God said the first commandment, the hinge on which the door hangs, you know, the door hangs, is what? It is love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You'll always be content. Always will be content. 
Even if everybody else forsakes you. That's what Jesus says. Everybody. My father has never left me. He knows everybody is going to run away. In a few, few hours, everybody will forsake him and go. But he's okay. But he cried out when his father forsook him. Not when the people forsook him. When the disciples forsook him, the crowds forsook him, his family forsook him, he didn't cry out. But when his father turned his face, his cry is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that should be our cry. When God turns our face, we are not crying. When man turns our face, we are crying. But our actual cry should become, Lord, you didn't speak to me today. Are you upset with me? Is there something which I did that's upsetting you? Instead, our vision is horizontal, not vertical. It's not horizontal, it's not vertical. And that's why God talks about David. David primarily, his eyes were vertical. Because he was a rejected kid. Mm. He was rejected in his home. He was rejected by his wives. He was rejected by his children. So he always kept his eye. He says, there's only one person who has never rejected me. It's my God. He clung to his God. See, the law came through Moses, the precepts of the kingdom. Wisdom came through Solomon. But the heart of God is revealed through David. You know why? He was a broken kid. So, I mean, you, somebody sent and come your home and you come over. My brothers are all dressed and anointed. The prophet is here and my father and mother did not even think about telling me. They didn't even think. I mean, okay, I, I don't have to be chosen, but I could be called. I'm also a son. Not. Michal rejected him. The king rejected him. His soldiers wanted to kill him. His wife saw this thing. Children turned against him. But you know what? He clung to God. And the throne of Jesus is called the throne of David. What God said, I will restore, is the broken down tabernacle of David. Not Moses' will tabernacle or Solomon's temple. The broken down. What is the broken down tabernacle of David? It's praise. It's praise and worship. That is a guy in every situation. When his back was against the wall. He looked up. He knew everybody could leave him, but he knew I wouldn't leave him. Abhyadar, bring the effort. Pursue. Overtake. Recover all. You have sinned. You have three choices. Three judgments. What do you want? Let me fall in the hands of God. Every time. You shall not build the temple. Said that, who am I? You are telling me you are going to build a house for me. Who am I, Lord? I haven't forgotten where you picked me from. Look at his responses every time. In judgment. In the time of loss. His heart was stayed to God. That is the actual knowledge of God. The actual knowledge of God is to get to know the heart of God. And understand, you know what? Once you know the creator, it doesn't matter how less you know about creation. Because once you are translated, you will understand creation better than the modern scientists. The modern scientists don't understand the creator. I am telling you honestly, when we reach heaven, we will be so shocked to see the maximum number of people in heaven have no degrees. Unlettered, unschooled people populated heaven. All they had was the knowledge of God. There are no degrees, didn't go to college, had none of the things which we pride about today, nothing. But they had one thing, they had the knowledge of God. So be rich 
in things that really matter in eternity. That's why we're the, those who have poor, God has made them rich, rich in, faith. in faith. Let me tell you, faith is a, I don't want to get into that. I'll go till tomorrow morning. It excites me when I talk about faith. Faith is a relationship term. It's not a knowledge term. Faith is a relationship term. I will say, I have faith in him. What is it? I don't have faith in him. What is it? It's a relationship term. Mm. It is not a knowledge term. Oh, I know he will preach tomorrow if I tell him, Pastor Vijay, I'm just giving you six hours to prepare. I know he can preach well. You know what? That's not a relationship. That's a knowledge term. Mm. That's a knowledge term. Faith is not a knowledge term. It's a relationship term. It's a heart term. You believe in your heart. He loves me. And I'm going to please him. And God says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's a relationship term. You have to see it that way. That's why we say in Old English, he broke faith with her. Mm. Yes. What is it? It's a relationship term. Yes. It does not mean he did not have knowledge about her or the Lord about the children. No, he had probably better knowledge. But he broke faith. It's a relationship term. And you have to look at it. Love is a relationship term. Hope is a relationship. What are you hoping for? The Bible never anywhere, most places when it talks about, does not talk so much about the place. It talks about the, the person. person. Yes. Always talks, every place in New Testament, nine out of ten times, it talks about the person. So hope is connected to a person. Love is connected to a person. Faith is connected to a person. And that's what life is. And God is teaching us through our daily grind of relationship how to prepare for heaven. So that we will not be grumpy in heaven. You know, we will not fight with each other in heaven. <laughs> because all, oh, it all is not. Is all, <laughs> all conflicts, finish it out. We are here. <laughs> and please come, sanctified saints, come over the hair. Because okay. I'm telling you, you have to understand how difficult this is. That a thousand years of Jesus' reign on earth. No sin. Physical manifestation of sin. Internally there is physical man. Absolutely. Everybody has got everything. Enough. Everybody loves no sickness, nothing. And a thousand years later, Satan is able to gather them all and mm. go against God and the saints to rule them. You have to understand how difficult relationship. It is the hardest work in your life is relationships. It is hard work. Labor to enter into my rest. You know when you get that rest? It's a rest of relationships. Take my yoke upon yourself. My yoke, relationship with I will get rest for your souls. So walk, learn to walk with me. Learn to relate with me. I'll give you rest. In the same way, marriage is a yoke. The biggest battles are with the closest people right now. I mean, in, in the, in that it's basically people whom, who don't, you don't love and who don't love you have no power to hurt you. Mm. That's simple as that. The people on the street can shout at you will forget it and you will be irritated. It doesn't hurt you. Or oh, the man on the road shouted, I'm so hurt. You don't even know who it is. You get irritated because he was crossing your way or whatever. They don't have the power to hurt you. So the one who is closest, okay, see your spouse, your child. David was hurt by all these people. All this, I mean, I mean, I look at David's life and I can, you know what, all those things which are negative cost him to cling to actually God. He found out, you know what, ultimately it was only God. Mm. I mean, think about it. If you are, if, I mean, just think about it, okay? Let us say Mahendra is here. And Mahendra is David. 
and I have been sent to Mahendra's house. And God says, that is a man. Rise up and anoint him. And I anoint him. And after that, I leave him alone. I'm not even interested because my mind was that he should have picked Naresh. Only Mahendra was fixed. I cannot. Mahendra is tall and handsome. I should have picked Naresh. What kind of prophet are you? Mm-hmm. I mean, you should have mentored this Samuel. guy. Samuel. You should have mentored this guy. He never mentored. He had no mentor. Samuel didn't mentor him. The king wanted his life. The king's daughter rejected him and gave him to another man. I mean, what a life he had. His 600 hand-picked soldiers picked up stones to throw it, stone him. But through it, all he clung to God. His sons turned against him. Whole lot of mess. How did this man come through and God said, this is a man after my own heart. You can turn your negatives on. I'm talking to a lot of people who are listening. If you have a messed up home, marriage, and there is no home, hope, turn to God. He is the God of hope. Turn to God. If you are a man, turn to God. If you are a woman, turn to God. If you are a child with a broken, violent home, turn to God. Turn to God because He's a God of hope. You can safely give your heart to God. He will never break it. He will not break your heart. He may change it, but He will not break it. It's absolutely safe. He will not break your heart. You may break it yourself over stupid things, but He will not break it can be absolutely sure. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll talk with that. Yes. Q&A. I mean, the, the latter part of this question is essentially what you I think you are answered. Ah, okay. It's question 13. I mean, you can just want to just... Pre, uh, Look at it and we will close because yeah. it's 8.30. Yeah, yeah. I get very passionate when I talk about my God. Yes. <laughs> 13, 13, question 13. Uh, it says, none of us easily admits we have wronged each other. God will give me a signal of guilt to help me recognize where I was, where I have wronged my husband. Will he give it? Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 5, failure to care for our side of the offense in a conflict is highly dangerous. Would you agree we do not attend to sin in our lives, we become vulnerable to the attack of the enemy in that area? Okay, I mean, this is true because it's scripture. Fund- fundamentally, yes. Fundamentally. But about a husband and a wife, let me tell you about a husband and a wife. You should have grown in a relationship in s- to an extent where you have only issues and not conflicts. Mm. Even if the issue is not resolved, you're not mad at each other. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Like, let me publicly say, yesterday I and my wife had one of the largest conflicts in our entire married life. Morning, nobody said sorry to anybody. Morning when we woke up, we don't even realize we fought last night. Everything is back to normal. Because it was an issue. It was not a personal thing. I was so upset. I was really, really upset yesterday. Absolutely upset yesterday. But you know what? You can take the entire recording of our whole day's conversation. There is nothing of yesterday in our conversation. Hallelujah. <laughs> because we know how to deal issues as issues and mm. not take it personally. Has the issue been resolved? No. But we are not going to carry it into our persons and be unforgiving. This is what I'm talking. In a marriage, you have issues. But there is a person. There is a person. Okay? And you should have that oneness, that relationship. Where Where you you can be passionate about your issue. your issue. issue, And yet, wait for it to be resolved. Absolutely. Until it's resolved, I am not talking to you. No, no, no. Certain issues will take time to... That freedom has to be there. That has to be there. It will take time because there will be so many like mathematics... 
permutation combinations which have to be put right before the issue is resolved. Until it is resolved, I am not going to talk to you. I mean, imagine if God were to say, until you are reformed, I am not going to talk to you. <laughs> when is it going to happen? When is he going to talk to us? He says, you know what? I know you. I love you. I know what you want. I'll talk to you. Just come to me. I'll talk to you. Okay, that's how issues should be resolved. There is sin has sin, and then there are issues. Okay, and you have to deal with issues, and not with the person. And these things, okay? Don't, I would say, in your relationships, don't be pharisaical. Mm, picky. Okay, Pharisee is that, you know, he will buy one kilo of mint leaves and then he will put 100 grams apart because it has to be given. He will wait all like that. And some people are pharisaical in searching out their righteousness. Uh, in this one sentence I told my husband, this one sound was wrong. Should I go and say, oh, don't be pharisaical. He doesn't even remember. You said that. I didn't even hear what you said in the first place. <laughs> now you are reminding me your tone was wrong. Okay, don't be pharisaical. Mm. There are a lot of people. I, I know about people I know who call me. They live in condemnation because they are so pharisaical in searching themselves out. They leave it to God. If something has upset God, He will tell you. <laughs> okay. He lets you know. <laughs> he will let you know. Don't <laughs> go away because that is a Old Testamental kind of, you see the righteousness you and I have is not our righteousness. It's a righteousness of God. If God is, I mean, if you're really walking with God and God is upset with you, I tell you, you will know it. You will know it. You will know it. Okay. And if you do not know God, if he's upset with you, you will not know it. <laughs> okay. So don't nitpick on this thing and try it to, okay? People, what do you say? People misunderstand term one. They shall become one. That doesn't mean you have to think like me. No, we are two different people. We can think differently and still be one. Have two different tastes and we still be one. You see, I love cricket. Now I don't watch. I can never in this lifetime get my wife to watch cricket. Mm. Okay. Now if you do, if you love me, you will watch cricket with me. What kind of nonsense is that? She right. doesn't even know what that game is. We in our entire married life, we have only seen one movie together because our eldest one son pestered it for us. And you know what? By the half of the movie, she, she fell asleep. Snoring. She was snoring. <laughs> I watched it. By the time we came both out, we forgot what was the name of the movie. But we did it to please somebody else. So that was still okay. So you can't do this if you're one. We all have to do, do we both have to do the same things together all the time. That is foolishness. God Total God. foolishness. You know? So God has made us differently. The oneness is it's the kingdom oneness. Mm. We serve the same king. Our motive is the same to glorify the king. Our objective is the same. We want to please the same. But we may be doing things completely different. Completely different. Like my wife keeps on saying, I'm your hat, hand, hand and feet. You are the mouthpiece. Okay, You are the mouthpiece. You've been called to speak, teach gods. And I have been called to do those things which you are not interested and you don't have a passion for. I will do that. What you have passion for, I release you to. Now, if I were to do her stuff, I won't have patience for that. She loves teenagers, how to deal with them. I don't have patience with teenagers. I have patience with little children. They can bite me also, I'm okay. I don't have patience with teenagers. Because when I was a teenager, nobody had patience with me. I need to realize where I come from. 
I grew alone as a teenager. Nobody told me what to do. Everything I learned in life outside of scripture, I learned as a teenager on my own. So when I look at it, why are you behaving like that? I said, well, you know, oh, no. I said, come on. I had no father. I had no mother. I had nobody. I learned everything on my own. No tuition master. Nobody to teach me. Nobody to wake me up. Nobody to sit with me and tell me to study. Everything. And I had good grades. So why can't you do that? It's my mind. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of those things. Okay, so I'm struggling. I don't understand. You go to talk to my wife. Because I didn't struggle with those things then. I did not know God. Mm. You know God. I did not have a church. So I don't understand where a teenager comes from because I did not struggle with any of these things. Okay? All my struggles was after I got saved. Before I saved, before I got saved, I was a good boy. <laughs> a very good boy. I'm telling you the truth. So why do people react with, like, you know, my wife, all her life was drilling with troubled teens. So if I were to do her job, I would make a mess of it. And she were to do my job, she would make a mess of it. Have you seen every time she preaches, she brings printed sheets out and reads from it? You're right, but that's not her gift. Are we one? Of course we are one. Are we together all the time? No. Are we working for the same God? Yes. Is our motive the same? Yes, to serve Him. Is that what we want? To please Him? Yes. Get this. This is what we call about oneness. Hmm. Okay. Otherwise, you will get this worldly conformity of oneness, which is actually equal to bondage. Hmm. It is not liberty. She won't release me to fulfill God's purpose in my life. I will never release her to fulfill God's purpose in her life. We are not one. We are bound. Hmm. We are bound. doesn't work like that. So get all the speaker. But as we close... First year of your marriage matters. Don't clutter it. Mm. And if you cluttered it, take a break and ask God to restore. How many years later, the first year of your marriage, do the things which you did in the beginning. Mm. And if you didn't do anything in the beginning, learn from scripture and start doing it. Start now. Start now. Recreate because God will pour that love into your heart, even if it was not there in your marriage. Mm. He's able to give it to you. So he's able to make things. That is the first miracle Jesus does. is about a home, about a family, about a husband and a wife. He comes on over there. There is no wine. It is run out. A life that has run out of joy. A marriage that has run out of joy. A home that has run out of joy. A church that has run out of joy. He says, fill it up. Fill it up. Go back to the word. Look at the word, what God is able to do. And obey him by faith. Do those actions by faith. You know what? You will suddenly realize, even in the beginning, it wasn't so good. Because when he restores, the steward will say, why did you keep the best for the end? And you have to say, that is the way my God deals. Hmm. He keeps the best for, for the, the end. end. Hmm best for the end. And you have to have that picture in your mind. You know what? This is how you speak to yourself. You know what? My best days are always ahead. My best days are always ahead. Don't get satisfied. You see, you know what? Knowing my God, my best days are ahead. Amen. Yes. This is not, this is, I haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. The best days are ahead. Where does your conviction come from? 
my God. Best place are ahead. That's how you believe. And he says, I heard you. I heard you. You believe in me. I heard you. Okay. That's how faith comes. You have to speak to yourself. You have to speak to yourself what God has said. You have to convince yourself my God is true. Words have power. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we will close. Yes, you are cool because I am preaching tomorrow. That's why you are sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> I am not saying class. Otherwise, you would have said, Pastor, we can close. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm enjoying. (laughs) Okay, let's pray. Yes, Pastor, pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord. Lord, our hearts are just overwhelmed when we know you, who you are. Lord, the revelation of God through your word and through experience, Lord, even in our lives. We're just overwhelmed and we just want to say once again, we love you, Lord. We just love you, Lord. And we want to say it over and over and over again until it becomes a part of our lives. We will believe it from the bottom of our hearts. The same love that you showed your son, Jesus, your word says, oh Lord, you loved us with that same kind of love. What manner of love that Father has showered upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. And Lord, we just want to go leave this Q&A with this assurance, Lord, that you love us. And nothing and no one can separate us from that love. That love is always, always constant, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us, teaching us. And I pray, Father, that we will walk in that love, oh Lord. We will walk in forgiveness. We will walk in no bitterness, oh Lord, and no anger, no jealousy, no envy. Lord, but we will enjoy you and we will enjoy one another. We'll enjoy your, you and we'll enjoy one another's success. And Lord, we will cover each other's failures, O Lord, because your word says love covers a multitude of sins. Through that, I pray that you would bless us in our church, O Lord, in our families, in our our individual lives, in everything that you've placed us in, O Lord, Father, that Lord, that love will emanate, O Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, once again for this time. God, even as we prepare ourselves for tomorrow, and if you give us yet another day in the land of the living, I pray, Lord, that you will be found in the house of the Lord on time. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.